This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Bar Ram U, a knitting shop for everyone that celebrates Yorkshire's rich woolly heritage. Bar Ram U also make the lovely Titus, a delicious blend of Wensleydale and Blueface Leicester wool, with a touch of magical UK alpaca. This award-winning yarn is spun in Yorkshire, supports local industries and makes us very happy. Bar Ram U ship all over the world, but if you're in the Yorkshire area, we'd love you to pop in and say hello. Find Bar Ram U online at www.barramu.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Pomcast 3, brought to you by Pom Pom Magazine and myself, Lydia Gluck. And I'm here today, as always, with the lovely Sophie Scott. Hi Sophie, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good too. How was your morning? It was nice. I had a Spanish lesson. Muy bueno. Muy bueno. Muy bueno. That was my Spanish lesson. (laughs) Yeah, it went very well. I went to a very nice cafe with my teacher and spoke in Spanish almost exclusively. And I always feel really fancy when I do that. And I sort of imagine that everyone's looking over and going, gosh, that girl speaks great Spanish. Look at her. She's just... Yeah, exactly. But like, we're in London. (laughs) People normally speak a foreign language often as like, you know, a second language... Um, so they're probably not thinking that they're probably thinking wow she could do to uh like it's good she's having lessons <laughs> how about you what's going on good um i went to see an experimental interesting jazz thing with my boyfriend and his parents um they, they're very musical and take me to see lovely things which i'm very lucky for but um this one was slightly new and different and uh, featured a heavy amount of trombone, which I can't help but laugh at, and <laughs> had to suppress a lot of giggles from the really farty trombone noise. But then I turned around and uh, my boyfriend's mum was doing the same, and she's like, I think it's meant to be funny, I think you're meant to enjoy it, and that's that's how it works. But she's a professional musician, She is, she? so there we go. That's... So what she says goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're at a concert, you're laughing. She's also laughing. It's all good. It was kind of, you know, the, the Ronnie Briggs kind of... That points. And that can work out reminding me of. But no, interesting experimental jazz. Yes. I always think it's strange in general when music is funny. Because sometimes it just is. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it's funny by association. You know, like music gets used for funny... You know, like as the background yeah, yeah, for yeah. funny things. Or whether music can just be funny inherently. There's a great... Um, as an aside, there's a really great... Bjork track or Bjork track, mm. which ends with this incredible like reverberation, which is so trumpy. I, I can't help but laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we should find that and just play the end of it. <laughs> like, here's a fart noise. We start this podcast with farts, mainly. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It's it's all up here. Like, it's all gonna just get better. We're starting at the bottom, so to speak. <laughs> We're moving on up. And uh, so, what can we expect today from the? Uh, general upwards trend of this podcast we have our usual feature of tell and tell so Mm -hmm. telling each other and you guys about what our current works in progress are Mm -hmm. um also we've got a nice rachel coopy theme to this uh podcast we'll be looking at her really cool book toasty Mm -hmm. and also we met her didn't we yes so we're going to be talking to her to koopnitz herself um about her endless quest for warm feet amongst other quests warm heads warm heads and yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. Also, we're catching up. You went to TNNA. Sure uh, did. Really cool needle art festival in the US Trade of A. Yep. Trade show. Uh, so I'll be finding about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we've got Colour of the Cast, which this week is... Yellow. So we'll be talking about that. And lots of fun other things along the way. Yeah, so let's go. 
Let's do this thing. <clears throat> so tell me, Sophie. Tell me about your knits. So I've actually finished something which I'm really excited about because knitting is a slow craft and I'm kind of a slow knitter, I like to think. You know, I'm but not... But you're slow and steady. I'm, so, I'm winning this race. You win all the races. I finally finished my Netherton, which is from Pom Pom 1. Wow. I cast on. The about, premier Pom Pom. About two years ago. Yeah, it would be two years now that this issue came out. And I was like, that's great. I'm going to knit that cardigan. And... I just I spent ages doing it. I put it down for a lot of the a lot of the I put it down for quite a while. Also, there was a point where I was like, I haven't got enough yarn. I want to make this longer. It's like a really nice. If you haven't seen it, it's like a really nice kind of cropped cardi designed by. Oh wait, who's the designer again? Is it uh, some sort of yeah, no me. It's Lydia. It's Lydia Gluck, um, <laughs> which is probably why my bias towards designing something. <laughs> oh. um, my bias towards knitting something even. So at one point I thought, oh, I want to make this longer. And then there wasn't the a same amount of the colour I was using. Mm. So it kind of languished for a bit. And then quite recently I've had the flu, which was rubbish. But then when I started feeling better, I was like knitting. I remember that. And I yeah. remembered the sun and moving about and eating, which, you know, my, my main activities, which I've forgotten about for a week because <laughs> I was so poorly. So uh, what are you up to at the moment? Are you knitting anything or what's on the needles? I just finished Quadrillion. Oh, I think I saw that on the Ravelry page. Yes, so any of you who are following us on our Pomcast uh, group in the Pom Pom group uh, will have seen pictures already. I'm very, very pleased with it. I think it's, you know, like top three things I've ever made. It's pretty stunning. I really like it. I'm very, very happy. I finished, I actually finished the sleeve, like I knit the sleeves while we were at TNNA. I knit one sleeve on the way, mm-hmm. one sleeve on the way back, more or less. Aww. So that was nice. It was nice uh, sort of bookend to the, to the journey. Um, so I've just been sort of wearing that as much as possible, but I was a bit worried about looking like a cartoon character because they just wear the same thing every day, right? Yeah. So I thought, I'll mix it up a little bit, show people I'm a real girl. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I've been, ha- I just, I've been having a bit of trouble starting things, I'll be honest. And so I'm going to ask for your help wholeheartedly, both yours, Sophie, and you listener types out there. I want to obviously want to make more things than I will ever be able to make in my life especially since I happen to have a job that means that I can't just knit all day the irony of working for a knitting magazine and not being able to knit <laughs> yeah having time. much less time to knit than ever before in my whole life um but there's so many things I want to make I think I mentioned before that I want to make water lily from mm. spring issue you know I'm like a year behind with my pom-pom knitting so quadrillion which came out last August I just finished and, you know, there are so many things from, like, the winter issue, the spring issue, and the one that's just come out, our summer issue, that I want to make. And in addition to the pom-pom things, all of which I like, of course, because otherwise they wouldn't be in the magazine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to make, you know, I've got cued all sorts of things, like loads of Amy Christopher's patterns, um, a Pam Allen pattern. Mm, um, nice. She does a lot of stuff for... Quince, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah like Rachel Coopy's patterns, lots of things which we'll be discussing soon. So, um, I'm feeling probably, a bit stuck. On I'm feeling stuck because I think that actually starting projects is really the hardest bit. Yeah, you know, getting the yarn. So you okay? So like I say, there's like a million things I want to make in my queue and Ravelry. I try and keep it sort of under under control, which means that there's like forty things in there that I have queued. You know, not all of which I will actually make. But so, you know, I've bought a few patterns recently and been, you know, looking at my pom-pom patterns recently. And then it's like, okay, so this is the thing I want to make. And I have the pattern. So do I have any yarn? Like, even though I have quite a lot of yarn, no, I always don't have the right amount or it's not the right colour for that particular thing or the fibre is wrong. 
Do you need to start from the other way around then? Look at the yarn and then... And then, yeah, it's true. But then whenever I do that, I, I want to make up patterns, which is also a fun thing to do. But I don't really have the brain space at the moment to design things. Well, let's look at the pom- recent pom-pom. You guys probably either receiving them through your letterbox or seeing it in your local yarn stores. Or maybe you've just seen it online at the moment. Uh, what do you fancy knitting from there? Well, I think Sombra by Eleanor King in the Habu Cotton is so lovely and I have had the pleasure of wearing the sample mm. and I can confirm that it is every bit as delightfully light I think as you, it appears. You never really think that I I never thought I needed a summer jumper. That seems a bit of an oxymoron, but this is a very sort of light wispy Yeah, because that Habu cotton, I mean I always was like, Oh, it's so beautiful, what what would what would I ever actually do with this? And when we saw this design we thought like that it has to be in the Habu. And so, it works so beautifully. Got a great um, geometric kind of triangle, uh, ombre, ombre V mm-hmm. from the neck down. So, yeah, and you, it's sort of the bottom of the piece is knit in one strand, and then you add another color so that you've got two strands together, and the top is three strands together. So you get this lovely kind of hints of the colors below, mm. and kinda... almost tweed, but like not not heavy tweed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I guess when you're using different colors held together like that, you get that kind of tweedy mm. effect. You're right. Yeah, so I really want to make that. The problem is that Habu don't actually make that many colours in that cotton. And I really like the colour scheme we chose already. Um, but I was also thinking the Habu bamboo lace might be nice. It's a bit shinier. Shiny. But there's no shame in replicating the pattern that you see. And, you know, if you love it, then... It's true. It's true. But, you know, I <laughs> always feel a bit weird about that because I already... You know, I, we, me and Megan choose colours for the magazine and then, you know, we like the things in those colours. That's why we chose it that way. And exactly. then we're like, oh, I have to think of another colour combination. How about you? Do you have any anything take your fancy? I really like the sewn top, uh, the Labette by Michelle... Zimmer. By Michelle Zimmer. Because um, I do like a bit of sewing and I've bought the fabric for that. I've got this really awesome um, cave facet design, which he has like a... It's called like a paperweight design with lots of little circles like in on each other. It looks like that mm. kind of glass paperweight mm-hmm. style thing. I can't think of what it's called. You know, like the Italian... Is it Italian? But they look like lots of little scene enemies in a oh, cool. glass bulb. It's based on that anyway. And it's kind of like grey background, but then all the colours within it. And I'm really excited about making that because I've had it for a while and my mum sort of gave me this piece of fabric. She's like, oh, would you do something with this? And I was like, yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty excited about giving it a go because my sewing skills are rudimentary <laughs> to say the least i know how to use a sewing machine um You're halfway there yeah i mean this top is really kind of one of those things that you just need to know how to use a sewing machine to make as far as i can mm. tell so i suspect you'll make it before me though i All think right. your sewing skills are superior to well, mine well i'm poised i mean what the bias binding i'm ready oh uh, no i definitely don't have that <laughs> i was like what's bias binding <laughs> yeah so um that's kind of my position with the the. I think is startitis the one where people start too many projects because I have startitis in that I can't get it together to start something because all the swatches I've done are wrong and I just I'm having real trouble making decision right now. Sometimes I mean you can lose your knit and then you're not quite sure. Yeah, maybe I should crochet something. Oh. You you were planning to crochet something. Yeah, well, it's a by request of my sister. Well, kind of, I found this pattern, which I thought, that's incredible. My sister would love that. And then I had to double check just in case I had gauged her uh, ridiculous things, Omita, wrong. <laughs> um, so I'm making a giant crocheted manatee at the moment for her birthday. How big is this giant manatee? Well, like, how big are manatees? Manatees are uh, big. They're like... 
Are they like elephants? No, they're kind of like dolphin, but like fat dolphins. Oh, so cute. Um, but the one this at the moment, because I'm still doing the body, I guess it's kind of like an A4 size piece of paper. Okay. Between A4 and A3, which is pretty big. Pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm finding that because people are like, "Oh, you're making a hat." I'm like, no, it's a manatee, because it's kind of from the bum up, like a big kind of... It's got to be weird, haven't like you? Like a big cup. And then... Uh... <laughs> like, what are you making? An anatomical heart. What yeah. are you making? A manatee. Which is why I was like, I mean, you know, am I using this Am I using my skill for good? I think you are. <laughs> I sort of feel, you know, like, after I made Quadrillion, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And every time someone doesn't compliment me on my jumper, I'm like, do you have eyes? Can you not see how great my jumper is? You know, like I see a friend I haven't seen. You know, I walked into the kitchen wearing it and Felix, my so-called boyfriend who apparently cares about me and my craft, doesn't mention it. Like, what's that all about? So anyway, I feel like I can't follow my own... Like, I mean, I didn't even design it. Like, Megan designed it. She's the real hero here. But I did a beautiful rendition of it and no one heard. I think what you need to do, which I did when I finished my netherton, because I was so pleased with it, also, as I said, I was getting over the flu, so I was kind of taking advantage of being able to walk around the house in one piece. Uh, I put it on and kind of walked into my housemate's bedrooms in a really obvious posing way. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like the old kind of Vogue knitting patterns, like, yeah. oh, little, little, oh, dainty Vogue. kind of... Just voguing. Yeah, basically <laughs> voguing into their room. And one of them was like, you've made a cardigan. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. I was like... That's the right attitude. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because, I, you know, when you feel... Like, I feel so good about that jumper. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. How am I going to follow it? But really, I like... You know, even if you don't like a thing you make, somebody probably will. And many... There have been many grateful recipients of things. It's like when you get a Christmas present that you're not that excited about. I mean, sometimes there's just no hope for it and no one will ever love it. But sometimes, someone will love it. So anyway, I guess my point is that no matter what I make... It will be loved in some way, and therefore I should just make things. I'm going to write that and put it on, uh, you know, like, above my bed. Just make things. Just make things. Love from Lydia. So me and Megan just got back from TNNA, the National Needle Arts Association summer show. What was it like? Tell us a story. What did you see? What did you do? What did you eat? Oh, well, we actually ate very well. I'll start at the beginning. So we went to Indianapolis, which is where it was. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have gone to would Indianapolis. Have been initial mistake. Then. Yeah. Oops, we're in the wrong place. Um, normally, I believe it's in Columbus. I mean, the, they have several shows throughout the year, but the summer one um, seems to be the most popular and it was the first year that me and Megan had gone with Pom Pom. It was mostly fun meeting people that we'd worked with online, mm. you know, via the power of the internet, um, meeting them in real life. So people like Cerulea Rose, who's written for us before we met her. We met Olga, the astoundingly amazing designer with uh, who does all the amazing geometric kind of things. Yeah, She's yeah. so nice. Well, I mean, everyone was nice, basically, mm. so I'll probably keep saying that. Um, <laughs> Confirm, everyone you met was nice All all nice people, yes, yep. very good uh, We met, um, you know, the people from Koigu We met the woman behind Shalimar Yarns mm. Who dies beautiful You know, it's just, there were too, so many people to mention And uh, we discovered a few things Well, I got to see a few things I'd only, you know, heard about Because there are so many big American 
dyers and yarn brands that I've seen, you know, a few of their lines or a few of their bases and not so like with Shalimar as breathless as I've seen and we've used in Pom Pom, we used it in the, our first spring issue. Um, but I saw different bases for that and they were beautiful. Any favourites? I think there was one called Homage. I should have written all this stuff down, shouldn't I? There were, you know, the DKs, beautiful. Shibui as well. I'd never really seen any Shibui in real life. Yeah, I've heard of that. They have really beautiful colour range um, and they have a really nice mohair which i was thinking would be good for garland from our winter issue oh the one winter, the cover that's winter 2013 yeah. mm. so that was fun and um because the the sort of booths were set up where you had sort of like bits of fabric in between people mm. so you could accidentally sort of fall through if you were so inclined that didn't happen i did accidentally drop something so we had a booth backing onto ours and i picked something up and it sort of overbalanced a display of magazines we had and they just all fell into the booth behind which was an interesting way to meet your neighbours sort of classic Lydia style oh I'm sorry I dropped a thing on you oh. and, friends uh, yeah but uh, the woman behind us um, is a dyer the dyer behind um, a sort of very new I think indie dyer called Fiber Story mm-hmm. and she had really gorgeous stuff but we were sharing our booth with um Hilary, who is the Yarniad, who designed the Citron shawl, amongst other wonderful patterns. So Citron being the... It's free pattern on Nitty.com, which is very popular because it's very wonderful. And she had bunting that was tiny Citron shawls. Well, that sounds wonderful. Sounds like we had a really good time. We did, yeah. Do you think Pom Pom will go there in the future? I think so. I imagine we'll be back next year. Um, Yeah, I think it's back in Columbus, Ohio... I hope I got that right. Um, I'm sure people will let you know if you didn't. Yeah, we'll hear all about it. Full to the brim with beautiful designs using Titus yarns and actually we will be speaking to Rachel in person very soon so you know you can hold on to your hats for that your hand knitted beautifully designed hats which many of which you can find in this book mm-hmm. so yeah he's using the Titus yarn which is by Bar Ramu um, which is a blend of Wensleydale blue face Leicester wool with UK alpaca so a very UK based yarn it's also spun in Yorkshire well, it's the the like yarn and textile industry had a little bit of a bad time here recent up until fairly recently. I think there wasn't a lot, or there wasn't nearly as much production was there in the kind of British breeds because they're all a bit scratchy, or a bit more scratchy than your average merino, for example. They sort of fell out of favour, didn't they? Yeah, but I like a bit of structure to a wool. Yeah, and for things like colour work and Fair Isle and so on, and and cables, and actually this book is almost exclusively those I was going to say, a perfect of example of that. Yeah. <laughs> say, there's lots of beautiful uh, feral hats. We've got a couple of... There's a cowl, uh, a couple of mitts as well. So yeah, as the title suggests, they are keeping you very toasty. Yeah, I think... I mean, um, I've looked at this book quite a lot because it's very beautiful. 
and I think Beedale, the Beedale hat, which is in lovely kind of cream and blue. That's my, that's my like, you know, number one to knit. In fact, maybe I should just make that. Maybe this will solve my problem. Yeah. Um, I really like the Rippon hat. Um, it's a place in Yorkshire, I'm pretty certain, which links into the nice uh, wool location. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really lovely uh, cables. Um, and like you were saying, this wool shows off the nice stitch definition. Yeah. And it's done in, in their book. It's a nice kind of burnt orange, which I'm not crazy about that colour. Maybe yeah, do like we know a, that you're not. An orange lover. Maybe yeah. I'd do like a deep mulberry colour. That'd be nice. Yeah, I think, and there is one. Uh, the colour Bantam. <laughs> Yes, there are some lovely fingerless gloves called Carthorpe. Beautiful little cable pattern. Just quite, quite a lot yeah. of garter stitch for the main thing. Yes, I do like garter stitch. It's Man, so I love it. Squishy and warm. It's just great. It's just, you can't go wrong with garter stitch, can you? Really, really lovely really. pattern. I think the pictures in this are really clear. You can really see the designs really well. They're very um, instructional. Can yeah. you say that? Is that a word? I think so. For this and purpose, yeah. <laughs> in addition to instructional pictures. We have actual instructions on how to, for example, graft, how to do afterthought thumbs, which, oh my god, I might love those almost as much as afterthought heels. If you like afterthought heels, you'll love afterthought thumb. I just love afterthoughts. So you can probably tell that we're very, very big fans of this lovely book with so many great patterns and we've got to mention the exciting words of wisdom at the back that tell you all about how to use their charts how to get in touch and not only are there amazing patterns in here but it's just so well laid out as well and i think this book is going to solve my particular brand of startitis so if you have startitis or if you like knitting at all you should probably get Kootenitz toasty Rachel Coopy. She's joined us in the Pom Pom Studios, so you're here in the very heart of where everything happens. Um, hi Rachel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Rachel is a sock designer extraordinaire. She's designed for Pom Pom, but she doesn't just design socks, common misconception. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the book that we were looking at today, Rachel's book Toasty, actually contains many things that aren't socks. It does. It doesn't have any socks in it. Actually. No socks. No, no socks. How did you feel about that? It was quite nice to, to not, because you're quite, sometimes socks are quite restrictive because you, you're, you've got quite a small number of stitches to work across. So having mm. a larger number of stitches was quite freeing yeah. in a way that you didn't have to think about, oh, how is this going to work over that, that specific number of stitches? And then the sizing in quite, for socks, is quite small. Mm-hmm. Um, so like some of the hats you've got like beautiful cable patterns yeah. and you're able to expand yeah really you can do that. much bigger you can work on a much bigger canvas almost if you're not restricted by the small circumference of socks so that in that was quite quite nice and then also there's quite a lot of colour work which isn't everybody's cup of tea on socks because it's 
it can be quite um it's not as stretchy as mm. other types of knitting so and there's some lovely color work in toasty which we've been admiring yeah um but let's get back to socks <laughs> maybe what you are known for <laughs> and this might be uh it's a classic question why socks what, what's the what's the the soul if i can get that one in <laughs> Of sock knitting for, for you, yeah. <laughs> I the, I like socks because you can be quite um, intricate and quite bold with your colours mm-hmm. with socks that you wouldn't necessarily be with other garments that you were going to wear. So you can be you you can go sort of out of your comfort zone colour wise, but also I just like little small things. Mm-hmm. I've always liked to do little small things, and you can be quite um, intricate and quite complicated on socks because they're quite, because they're so small and it's not overwhelming but if you were going to do that on a large scale for a garment or something then it would be quite it would be like a five-year yeah <laughs> I'd like to talk about your hair colour because it's fabulous okay. if you've never seen a picture of Rachel she has a beautiful pale lilac-y you know what would you call that Lydia purple rinse purple yeah, rinse nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> Lavendery. Lavender. Oh yes, like a soft lavender pastel tone. Um, do you think your hair colour influences your colour choices? Do you go for different colours for different projects or anything like that? I have my. I. It's funny actually. I don't really. I wouldn't wear this. This is one of the colours that I wouldn't wear because it's not a colour that I particularly like. Weird. Like weirdly, that like, sort of my favourite colours sort of yellows, greens that you know that sort of that sort of thing and I like my hair this I like my hair this color but I like my hair this color also because it means I don't wear this color like I've had my hair I had orange hair for a while and it was that was really difficult to because you couldn't wear I couldn't wear orange because it it was a bit too orange orange over (laughs) (laughs) and you couldn't wear you had to be careful with reds and things and so it's been this color for quite a few years now. Um, so we have a little feature where we ask people about desert island yarns. So okay. you've been stranded somewhere, you get a plentiful supply of this yarn that you mm-hmm. choose. Can we say any colours? Yeah, the colour's not the issue, it's the the fibre itself. Okay. And maybe a weight you want to specify. I okay. mean, I have an inkling what you might choose, yeah. but I don't want to <laughs> judge that. Um, yeah, well, I think it would probably have to be a sock yarn. There's so many as well. Um, I think I it'd have to be between socks that rock lightweight and the maybe Madeline Tosh sock. Mm, and why those two? Socks that rock lightweight is real. There's nothing like it's. There's nothing like it. It's really. I think it's quite a unique mm. sock yarn. I don't think there's anything... I find it quite hard when people say, oh, what, what's it like? Because normally you can sort of... If somebody says, what's that sock yarn like? You can say, oh, it's like this one, but a bit... No, twisted, yeah. so twisted tighter or, yeah. But there's nothing really like socks at rock. It, it's quite. It's got a very high twist, and it's but it's very smooth. Mmm... But I think it's, and it's quite dense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's a nylon content. It doesn't. But do you find that wears quite well? Because I'm always wary of choosing a sock yarn that doesn't I have think it. I've got the first pair of socks that I needed was 100% wool, mm-hmm. and there aren't. They're, they're still in circulation. They're not. 
they haven't worn through. Yeah. I think if you knit at a tight enough gauge, you 100% sock wool is fine. The only sock yarn that I've ever had issues with with that is um, was a 50% tensile okay. blend, and that went from no holes to holes as big as 50p pieces in like really yeah just wow. there was no warning it was yeah. coming and all of a sudden there was just holes <laughs> all over the socks. um i think if you know that you are hard wearing hard on your socks and yeah you, then you should probably knit with a nylon blend why madeline tosh um it's just really lovely to knit with and it's it's quite different to the um socks that rock because it's quite it's a high twist but it's mm-hmm. got it's quite bouncy, it's isn't quite it? It's quite bouncy, yeah, and it's got quite, um, it's got a defined, I don't know how you describe it, Bob. I want to say bobbly, but it's not bobbly, but you can see the plies. Yeah, sort of where the twist is, there's a yeah. definite kind of movement, yeah. wave almost of the twist, yeah. Yeah, and that's 100% wool as well, actually. I mean, if you're, if it was, if you're sort of my, if you're mega hard on your socks, then I would recommend Opal or Regia. Like, yeah, that the, stuff wears like iron. And they get kind of <laughs> they have those great marbly kind yeah. of tones, don't they? Yeah. But they do great solids as well. Oh great. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they do they do a good range of solid colours. But it's different to the socks that rock because they are some intense yeah. multi if you haven't seen those like really incredible colour yeah. changes from like vivid yeah. pink to like peach to green. And they do really crazy flashing across the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the fun, I bet. Yeah. Like Knitting the next, I love yeah. colour changing. I was like that. You're like, and the next stitch. Let's see what the next yeah. one is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I quite like n- not knowing how it's gonna, not knowing from looking at the skein how it's gonna work out. Yeah. Again, some people can't handle yeah. that. That just yeah, yeah fries yeah, their brain. But healthy amount of imperfection is yeah desirable. So Rachel, you also teach classes from time to time. Yeah. How how's that? How do you find teaching? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Should we skip that one? <laughs> it's fine. Um, I like teaching. I like the actual bit where you're teaching, the bit where you're like talking to people mm-hmm. and, and teaching. That's really good. I find the build-up to it quite stressful because you you never quite sure how it's going to go. And what's been um, your best experience was, when you've te- when you've taught? Um, I taught at um, Unravel this year, and that was really good. That was like a two-hour workshop, and I think that's that's a nice little sort of burst of mm-hmm. information and then people go away, then they're quite energised because sometimes teaching can be quite um, concentration heavy and, and it's easy to get quite tired quite quickly if you're taking a class. Like I, It's fine for me because I'm not trying to take everything all in, but I think if, especially if it's all day mm-hmm. and I try and pack a lot of information yeah. in and I try to sort of get a lot into the class so people get like feel like they've learnt stuff, that that can get quite tiring quite quickly and energy levels can go down. That's why it's always good to have cake. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the little short classes, those are, those are probably my favourite sort of two two, three-hour bursts of sock information. Yeah, you sock it to them. <laughs> yeah, I should use that. That's the name for your next uh, workshop. You just I have really a flip chart, you go like, socks, next thing, heels, <laughs> go. I did have, I have got a little mini whiteboard that I sort of draw weird foot diagrams yeah. on. <laughs> sort of. 
very strange. <laughs> End up doing that by describing how a pattern you're like it's gonna work like this, and then you're gonna do this with the sleeves, and you end up drawing these like amobious yeah. kind of loops of like missing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, maybe you just need to start working yeah, on yeah. this pattern. Yeah. A lot of a lot of time when I'm teaching, I sort of say it's a lot easier to do than it is to explain. Yeah. It's gonna be a lot easier, and you just have to trust me. That's that's sort of my catchphrase when I'm teaching. Yeah. Trust me, it will work. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it is one of those things with socks where you read, you know, I remember the first time I knit socks, I read the instructions first and I just thought, yeah. what? Yeah, you just have to sort of trust that it's going to work and just do what... It, and it pretty yeah. much always does, it does and it's true yeah. and it's it's quite hard in the abstract sometimes. Yeah. Especially if you've never done something before, yeah. you've never done a particular kind of decrease or you've never, yeah. you know, when you're turning a heel, that's like a whole new fabric. Yeah, well if you can't, some people can think in 3D and some people find that really difficult. Mm. And if you can't think in three dimensions, you can't visualise how, then it, it is quite a strange... Turning here is quite a strange process. You can't quite see how you're going to change direction. How are you going to... I still find it know. amazing that it does change direction, <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. It's a little bit of magic. Every yeah. time <laughs> the first time I did that, yeah. I was very, very excited. Yeah. I kept like, putting it on a surface to see how it's like, this is going to be my foot inside, you know? Yeah. Showing it to people who are like, "What?" Yeah, like my housemates. Look, yeah, look, I made the yeah. fabric change direction. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. I have yeah. an exciting new question. I just uh, thought I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear it. Actual <laughs> so complete off topic. Um, what's your spirit animal? Okay. <laughs> I think my sisters would probably say it's a sloth. Oh, really? <laughs> Because I like to sleep, but um, I don't know. Lately, I've been obsessed with like little dogs. Like, I saw a picture of a chug the other day. It was like a Chihuahua pug, <laughs> oh and it looked word. like a grumpy old man. <laughs> so I think, I think that would be a chug. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's yours, Sophie? Since I've well, never asked you this, I'm sure we were procrastinating at some point because I mean that that's what we do and. Uh, I did a quiz online and I was an otter. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think I forced you to do that quiz. Didn't I? <laughs> You're like, find it out now. <laughs> I need to know. So, how did you first get into knit design? Was there a lighting light bulb moment where you thought, I need to, to make this? That was a really rubbish phrasing of the question. I'm going to do it again. What was the impetus for you starting knit designs? And um, I. I just had an idea for a pair of socks and I, so I thought instead of just designing them I contacted the knitting goddess the joy of the knitting goddess and said oh I've got this idea for a, a sock I bought some yarn off her and I said I've got this idea for a sock um, and I think I've got some more ideas so I you know I'd quite like to do a sock club and she weirdly I don't know why <laughs> She sort of said, yeah, let's do it. And we did, so we did a year, well, we did six, we started off, we were going to do six months and then we, sort of two or three months in, I said, I can, I could do a year if you want to do a year. And then um, she said, oh, let's do a year. And then we're three, well, no, what month is this? <laughs> we're five, five months into, uh, five months into our fourth year. Wow. So, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And did you did you study anything kind of arty Oh, I or? did um, jewelry and silversmithing. Really? Yeah. 
that's a surprise. Yeah. And do you ever still do any of that? I don't. I did, when I left university, I went to work for a manufacturer in the Jewelry Quarter in Birmingham. And um, I did that until I had... I went back after I'd had my first baby and then the commute just was... Oh, my my mum was helping with childcare and she snapped her Achilles doing the conga. <laughs> oh, shouldn't that happen? <laughs> um, and it, it all sort of went very wrong and I couldn't manage the, the commute, so I stopped. And I did it sort of freelance for a bit, but it's quite... Um, it's quite tricky to do sort of away from cent- from places like the Joy Quarter or Hatton Garden, you mm-hmm. need to be able to sort of speak to people and take things to people and, you know, have things polished and things like that. It's quite difficult to to do it remotely. Um, so I stopped. Actually, I don't know why I said it's that, that it's surprising that you studied that because it all sort of makes sense now with the like little, little things, little things yeah. and the very kind of yeah. ornate kind of cable patterns and yeah I think it I think it translates in the sort of little things that that you that you can sort of if you know then you can see the sort of influences that I've had but also from a design point of view I already knew how to put a design submission together because I'd done that all the way through university so submitting to publications and things like that wasn't as difficult as it would have been if I'd ca- if I'd come from a com- you know a completely different background. Do you think that influencer jewelry sort of influences your designs now? I mean, do you get inspiration um, from that kind of area, or is it everywhere? Everywhere, really. I think sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a few people that I follow on Pinterest that are jewelry designers, so they they sort of in that respect. But I don't follow sort of. I don't get any of the um, trade press or anything anymore. But yeah, more, I would say more, um, I'm more influenced by just stuff, patterns in life, like yeah. walking down the street in. So is that like an urban environment or yeah. more natural, do you think? Well, sort of across over between both, but yeah, just buildings I take a lot of photos of buildings and patterns in tile and and things like that mm. so quite geometric yeah that translates it to I think it, yeah. yeah yeah do you like a good tile pattern yeah yeah it's interesting how often when you ask people because I don't I think people don't normally think that much about where they get their inspiration from you know like do you have a kind of inspiration system or is it literally just you you know like do you purposefully expose yourself to things you know, yeah, like some people sometimes. are like, I like this, therefore I will always go to this art gallery or I will... No. Yeah, no, I just sort of wander around a bit and then sometimes you think you're not quite sure where something came from and then you're looking back through photos that you've taken and you think, oh yeah, that's where it came from. But mm. it sort of distilled itself down until you couldn't remember where it came from. What are your current works in progress and what's on the needles? Um, I'm working on the, uh, uh, sort of very long scarf for Toft, knitted along the long edge, like the one that I did for the pom-pom spring. Beautiful pink. Yes. Mm. Long. Aroha. Yeah. Um, which is sort of the rose, uh, 
very, very, very long. But because it's a worked flat, my mum can knit it because she <laughs> she can't knit in the she doesn't like to she can knit in she probably could knit in the round if she wanted to do but she hates doing it so she never helps me knit sock samples but she's um much much faster at knitting than I am. Oh so, really? Yeah. <laughs> Does she knit in a different way to you? Or? She sort of yeah she sort of tension she's all tensioning and knits she just knits sort of old school style she does she's not she she likes to have long needles and her elbow I noticed we were knitting, she was knitting on the tube yesterday and I noticed her elbows were quite far out I felt quite sorry for them <laughs> whereas my I knit quite close with my elbows quite close to my sides um so I'm knitting that and then I'm working on my a pair of socks for the unwind knit-alongs that some of the teachers are doing patterns so I'm working on that Wonderful. So we'll look forward to seeing uh, Rachel Cooper's designs in the future. Some exciting stuff for Unwind and others. Yeah. And do you have a stand at Unwind? Yeah. Yep. So be visiting. Yeah. I'll have my books and some single patterns and some Titus. Wonderful. So if you want to see uh, more of Rachel's designs, if this conversation has whetted your appetite for socks, you can find uh, her group on designs uh, on Ravelry as Coopnits. Yep. C-O-O-P knits. And they can also visit your website. Yeah. I would have thought. Which is coopknits.co.uk. All right. Well, thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. a lovely chat with Rachel Coopy. lovely lady. She's great. I'm glad because we got to hang out a fair bit at TNNA. We were sort of like, yeah, British crew, like Brits abroad. Woo. Oh God, you didn't, you didn't do that, did you? <laughs> well, but yeah, I ran down it's the street. Is that like, the opposite? Football! It's not the opposite British, like, oh God, you didn't do that, did you? Yeah, I thought you would have sat there with tea quietly. <laughs> but yeah, so we had, you know, we had a nice time getting to know each other there and then now I've got to know her. Yeah, and we all get to hang out again. The beauty of living in the same country at the same time. So let's move on to probably my favourite colour. I'm going to throw it out there. I probably say this every every episode. I feel like every colour we go to, I'm like, well, it's, it's good, but it's not my favourite. And I feel like, I do love colours. I promise. I do. But it's funny because you wear all the colours most of the time. Thank you. Do you love them all equally like your children? Yes, I can choose. Ah, there we go. That's it. I can choose a favourite. Uh, the colour, of course, we're talking about this time is yellow. Yellow. It's my favourite. I think. I think I can say that with confidence. Wow. It's just so sunny. I do like yellow because I used that amazing shade of cadmium by Malabrigo for my firewood shawl, and that's a really intense saffrony yellow. And I think mm-hmm. I like that. I think I get worried about yellows being too. Uh, too buttery, so- like, like pastely. Pastely, yeah. I think that mm. I have a aversion to that. Yeah, but yellow. I don't know. I've probably since the first time you met me, I've been a big like mustard yellow fan. Ah, uh, now mustard yellow. We're getting into a different thing because like 
very strong prime yellow, love that. More orange yellow, that's great, saffrony yellow. Then going into the mustard, that's, I've taken me a long time to love that shade. This is where our tastes diverge, like a fork in the road. And I'm on the really great side, <laughs> and you're on the like horrible sort of rocky side with wolves. I'm trying to battle through them, the, the wolves are yellow. And I'm having a great time, I'm like, mustard is great, I love it. I also like mustard itself, <laughs> yum. But um, So tell me some things about yellow, Sophie. So yellow is actually one of the oldest colour names in English. Um, it's based on an Indo-European root that means to gleam or to glimmer. See, and now that isn't that just a reason to love yellow. And then, well, that why that's why it gives us the words gold and yolk. So the same word that gave us the word yellow gave us gold and yolk. I like that. Mm. It's good. I mean, yolks, I love eggs. Um that's <laughs> the most pointless thing I've ever said on this <laughs> Yolks controversial? No, not for you. Not for me. I love a poached egg. But the color of egg yolk Good. It's a good colour. It's good. Although, actually, I think I veer, veer away from the very orange yellows towards the more, yeah, like mustardy yellows. Yeah, it's sort of more of a brown tone mm. to it. Much like yellow ochre, um, it's a pigment, uh, which you obviously get from the earth, um, and it was used uh, a lot in cave paintings. So, what are your some of your favourite yellows you've come across in the Yarny world? There is actually a really great yellow by Old Maynard. Um, called Elodie. I think it oh, might even be a yeah. discontinued colour now, but that's a really sunshine, pure yellow, like mm. happiness. I think that's that's the kind of yellow I go for. Yeah, that one's lovely. What about you? Well, I really love Madeleine Tosh's Candlewick, which often has many, dif- you know, like so many sel- semi-solids, has many different shades, has sometimes quite greeny shades in it, sometimes quite mustardy a bit grey I don't know I kind of think of that as yellowy grey kind of almost yeah Yeah. I see it because it's quite a cold yellow yeah I think an important shade of yellow which features most commonly in my life is actually that of the Simpsons Um, I mean you're a great fan of the Simpsons as well it's probably why we're friends and one of the only reasons we're friends yeah we just do quiz up quizzes on on the Simpsons (laughs) I win (laughs) quote Simpsons for those well, no, I'm going to say for those of you who don't know The Simpsons, because everyone knows The Simpsons. But I think that's the most important use of yellow in society today. But big cultural reference. It is, It's yeah. a huge cultural reference. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad The Simpsons are yellow. Maybe it's one of the reasons I like them so much. There we go, a subconscious, like, yellow, yellow, appreciate, good. yellow appreciation society working over you, like, a number of years. <laughs> Another yellow cultural reference is the song Yellow by Coldplay. Well, it was all yellow, and it has been for us. Now, all this talk of yellow is making me hungry. I don't know about you, Sophie. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit peckish. Yeah? What do you fancy? Well, nice easy snack, something portable and quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a sandwich. So, Sophie, if I were to ask you what your top three sandwich fillings might be, um, what would you say? Well, I would initially have to give this warning that my sandwich fillings have been varied and somewhat eccentric, um, such as, I mean, maybe this is number three, mm-hmm. but peanut butter and jam. I think people are familiar with that. For you Americans out there, that's peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. But then peanut butter with Marmite and jam, and then sometimes crisps in there. She used to find that quite strange. Maybe people do. I think it's quite a good combo. It is a bit... St- I mean, to be honest, Marmite with anything apart from cheese 
is a bit strange because it's not very common. People don't normally put Marmite with other things. Number two, maybe I'd go for a classic tuna, mayo, sweet corn or cucumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a long time, uh, I didn't eat that because I once had an allergic reaction in a restaurant and the only thing we thought it could be was tuna. So I spent many years not being able to eat tuna sandwiches, which were my fave. And then when it was all given the clear, I think I still have its place in my heart, which needs to be filled by a, a classic tuna sandwich. It's true, like a nice tuna sandwich, it's up there, isn't it? Yeah, maybe tuna melts. Ooh, that's a, bit, a good one. A bit of spring onion or something, just to give it a little bit of kick. That would yeah. be great. But for my number one, I think it would have to be a fish finger sandwich. Wow. Which, you know. I love fish finger sandwiches. <laughs> For some people it's strange, uh, no it's not, let's not say that. For some people it's awesome, like me. There's actually a really, if you know the artist Tracy Emin, there's one of her books called Strangeland and she has a little chapter within it. It's a lot of little ramblings about her life and stories. Some of it's about artwork, it's really interesting. If you like Tracy Emin, read that. Um, there's a little chapter within it where she talks about the merits of fish finger sandwiches and I read it and it was like, you know, someone finally understands what I've been thinking all along. <laughs> um, she talks about how, you know, it's just so beautiful to the symmetry of how the fish fingers fit within that slice of bread mm, that's true uh how it's great to eat before a night out because it's really quick and how you can sort of do all these variations within it one thing that she says it's great to eat in the bath because it's so easy to hold <laughs> i was like yes yeah i guess before you go out it is a good it's a good disco snack disco snack like yeah. a disco nap is when you have a quick nap before you go out exactly disco snack quick bite to eat what about you all right so i think i'm a little bit more conventional with my sandwiches which I'm feeling a bit sad about. Um, but I am who I am, Sophie, and I, I happen to have quite conventional sandwich tastes. So at number three, this is incredibly conventional, like a good cheese and pickle sandwich Ooh, with yeah. a bit of salad. And if there's a packet of crisps lying around, crisps in sandwich, which seems to be a common theme. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you haven't tried it, guys, good crisps in sandwich, crunchy. Yeah, it's great. You can just squish them all and they just bring the sort of zingy... I did actually meet a friend for lunch the other day and we had a picnic and it was lovely and um, I'd bought the sandwiches, she'd bought the crisps and the snacks and I was like, just going to put these crisps straight in the sandwich. <laughs> she agreed. She, we were there. <laughs> Wonderful. So that's, you know, that's a pretty straightforward one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's going to be a sort of cheese theme running through this. Okay, right. Uh, so number two. I'm prepared. Toasted sandwiches Ooh. in a toasty maker where they become sort of cheese pockets, basically, like triangular cheese. And it fuses. It's amazing. Like, toasty makers, I know that grilled cheese sandwiches are essentially the same thing. And in fact, sort of cheese and hot bread sort of situations seem to, you know, like a quesadilla is basically a toasty, like a Mm. Mexican toasty, which is why I like them so much. Um, But like a toasty made in a toasty maker in the sort of triangle pockety sense and you put the cheese inside and yeah maybe you put a bit of tuna in or baked beans bit of pickle bit of pickle or tomatoes but then the tomatoes mm. become so unbelievably hot i was just saying the <laughs> warning thing of like can't wait to eat the sandwich but wait it's just gonna burn my face <laughs> why is it the tomatoes get so hot mm. maybe there's some science behind it's that. like if you toast a pitta or microwave a pitta you're like i'm just gonna open up the pitta <laughs> and it's the the steam flaming bomb that escapes <laughs> it's like when you open an oven and for some reason you're like i want to see inside and you don't move back quickly enough and you're like <laughs> it's the secret heat of a pita, pita <laughs> yeah you every time and destroy you oh, oh yeah pain. so you know guys be careful but toasties um can also be sweet 
Uh, in case you hadn't realised that. You what, just, in what option would you have You could just learn? literally put sugar inside and have oh, a whoa. sugar toasty. No, I was thinking like Nutella and banana. Yes, that's another You're good just option. Thinking, we'll just cut on the middleman and just eat sugar from the packet. <laughs> that could be another good student um, plan. It's like you have, that's your dessert. <laughs> Spoon or sugar. Yeah. Or yeah, if you happen to be fancy and have some Nutella lying around, then you could pop that in. Either way, a melted cheese inside bread situation is pretty much always going to go down well. Yep. So if, you know, when I come over to your house for dinner, I'll be happy with a toasty. You had fish fingers last time you came to my house for it dinner. It was great. As if to continue on a theme. Yeah. <laughs> so, and number one, and to be honest, I'm not really sure about this. I don't feel as clear cut as I did about crisps when oh, I was like, wow. obviously, what's it? are my favourite because, you know, I dream about them and, I will, and they're in my shoes and they're in my hair and I love them. And I will become a what's it one day. I'm not so sure about this, but I think that my favourite sandwich, oh, I think it's a sandwich, would be a salmon and cream cheese bagel. Ooh, yeah. But like a really, like, with a squeeze of lemon, a little bit of rocket. Luxury. A luxury. I'm, I'm talking luxury style. I mean, that's the only style that we, we would assume for these top sandwiches. It's true, it's true. You're like the best of the best of these. Or, and I couldn't really decide because I went through this mad phase when I was a student of, I went through phases with food where I would eat the same thing for like a month and just like really get it out. I I do it with music as well. It's just like a, it's a Lydia thing, obsessiveness. I went through a phase where all I ate was basically um, mackerel, smoked mackerel mixed with creme fraiche on a bagel with a bit of lemon juice. That sounds really nice. that was really good. So I was like, should it be the salmon bagel? Should it be the mackerel bagel? I went with the salmon in the end just because it's so classic. You could say fished-based bagel. Is the winner. That sounds so great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the top threes. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think. We had some good suggestions for crisps. One of our lovely r- listeners on Ravelry um, just pointed out that we'd forgotten vegetable crisps. Which are amazing. Yeah, I mean, actually, me and my brother used to make parsnip crisps with one of those... Um, Potato peelers. Yeah, exactly. And you can just peel it and put it uh, in the oven. Yum. So we missed that. We also missed... There was something else that we had missed. I mean... Let us know. Oh, you know what we missed that Eli mentioned? Mm. Was Tom's. Do you remember those? No. They were like little... They were like in the sort of space raider Oh, like theme. 10p crisps. Kind really, of really cheap crisps. And they were just like little kind of balls. And they tasted like tomato ketchup. They were I like tomato. That. They were so good. Oh. And actually, space raiders. Also genius. I never got into that, but... but- Space Raiders must cost, cost like 50 quid now. I don't know. 50 quid, yeah. The infl- inflation. <laughs> they stopped making them a long time ago, so they're all like vintage. No, no, they no. Still no. Make them. I mean like the inflation, yeah. like Fredo's used to be 10p, like the little chocolate sweets that look like a frog. It's true. Um, and now at least eight pounds. Did we say, did, I did say Monster Munch for my, yeah, pick on your Monster Munch. Did you panic then? So I was like, did I? <laughs> but uh, interesting development in Monster Munch land is that um, Felix made a costume for his friend, his best friend Henry for the Rugby Sevens, which apparently is a thing that people dress up for. He dressed up as a monster munch and he had this like giant monster munch headpiece, which apparently people like tried to chew on for fun at the show. And he's like, that's made of foam and latex. So I don't do that. I'll see if I can get a good picture of it, actually, because it was quite spectacular. And Tease, the lovely Rita, thank you, Rita, sent us some tea in the post. I was just amazed. That was so lovely. What a nice thing to do. Thank you, Rita. And you can check out a very attractive picture that Megan took of said Tease arranged beautifully because they're pocketies um so they come in very gorgeous packaging beautiful colors um and we've been enjoying those teas thank you thank you 
And if anyone wants to send us a sandwich, that would be welcome. But you might want to package it quite well. A bit diff- yeah, if you can manage to get a sandwich. Oh, no. I should- a voucher. A voucher. <laughs> sandwich voucher. Good for one sandwich. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you can uh, send us any ideas you have for top threes that you'd like to hear or any contributions, things we've missed. Um, Either contact us on Ravelry um, or via podcast at pompommag.com which is our email address. Um, and if you want to do any other hanging out with Pom Pom, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can find us in shops worldwide, or you can come to our website, which is www.pompommag.com, um, where you can check out our blog. Um, oh, we forgot to mention Unwind. Oh, oh yeah, we can mention that now. Panics. So, <laughs> I mean, there'll probably be more podcast episodes before then. But um, yeah, so if you go and look, take a look at our blog, you'll see that the last few posts have been about the upcoming Unwind Festival, which is in July. And it is. It's uh, based in Brighton, uh, down in the south of England. If you didn't know where Brighton was, I shouldn't say that. Um, so it's based in Brighton. It's going to be a lovely weekend by the seaside. Pom Pom are doing some fabulous events. Yeah, we're, we're doing the Saturday night party. Ain't no party like a pom pom party. Pom pom party don't stop. <laughs> and who's, who, who's going to be DJing? The one and only... John Arbon. I'm very excited about this. And uh, Megan did a post about this exciting fact um, and made the interesting parallel between spinning fibre, which is John's main job, and spinning records. I think that joke's we made a lot that weekend. I can't wait. Um, make, maybe make a t-shirt or something like that. Yep. So, yeah, so you can check out um, our blog and read about all these exciting new developments. Um, it's also the Unwind uh, website page you can see all the details on there of course classes very exciting they've got you know she's got um olga's coming um uh, bristol ivy's teaching a class Mm -hmm. i mean there are too many names to mention really so check it out we'd love to hear from you and see what you're up to so thanks for listening guys we appreciate it lovely time lovely podcast yeah we've had a really nice day go forth and enjoy your day too bye knit on we love you, bye! We love you, bye! <laughs> Star wipe and we're out. <laughs>